The eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Wow. Was it that late of a night last night? Let's try that one more time. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, that sounds so much better. It is um, good to be here with you this morning. It's a beautiful day and uh, we are kind of in this last week of this sermon series, Because It Matters, and we've been talking about faith and understanding and sacrificial service, missions. And today we're talking about community, because community matters. I had a wonderful occasion uh, yesterday um, to officiate a young couple's wedding here in Ashland Place in this sanctuary, in this room, and it was a beautiful day. You know, I was, they, these couple, they're not members of our church, and they wanted to get married here because, well, it's, it's a beautiful space. And so I met with them a couple of times just to kind of get to know them and kind of talk about what we do and how Methodists do things and, you know, kind of get to know each other. They were undergoing their own premarital counseling uh, through other sources, which I applaud and commended them. But yesterday, or Friday, I should say, when the rains were pouring and the lightning was flashing and the sirens were sounding of tornadoes, and it looked, well, it looked grim. And we gathered here at 4.30 in the afternoon in the middle of this downpour and off and on showers, and, well, it was just kind of dark. And they were kind of quiet. And they were kind of wondering, what's it going to be like tomorrow? But yesterday at 4.30 in the afternoon, the sun was shining, the skies were blue, the tr trees were green, the grass was green, and this room was like it is now. It's just filled with light. The light streaming through these beautiful stained glass windows, making a beautiful room even more glorious. As we made our way through the service, we went from the greeting time up to the kneeler, and I was standing there behind the kneeler, and this couple were standing on the other side of the kneeler, and we were looking at each other, because that's what you do when you're officiating a, a wedding. You spend a lot of time looking at the couple, and they spend a lot of time looking at each other, so I'm watching a couple watch each other. And there was a solo that this young woman sang, her, their friend, saying, Be Thou My Vision, just as we were getting ready to enter the exchanging of the vows. A holy moment when this couple will exchange vows, promises to enter into this covenant, binding promises, powerful promises. And this soloist offered a beautiful rendition of Be Thou My Vision. And I remember just standing there looking at this beautiful bride in her beautiful gown, standing next to her betrothed, 
And the light was just filling the room. And be thou my vision, the sounds of this beautiful hymn just filling the space. And I looked at this young bride, and she is mouthing every word with her eyes closed as if she is praying. Be thou my vision. That was a powerful moment. And she recognized it. And because she recognized it, I recognized it. And if anybody in that congregation could have seen her expression and seen her action of praying that hymn, they would have recognized it. It was a powerful, beautiful, and a holy moment in a particular time and in a particular place. This place. And that's important for me. That's important for us to know that Ashland Place, at the corner of Wisteria and Old Shell Road, is an important place. It's a holy place. Not because it's beautiful with classic brick and beautiful wood furnishings and incredible stained glass. It's holy because what happens here. It's holy because as Jesus tells his disciples on that mountain, that I will be with you to the end of the age. I will be with you till everything comes to an end. Whenever that happens and however that happens, Jesus is present with his apostles. Now it's an incredible image that scholars have looked at as as Matthew closes out his, his gospel with this in chapter 28, and, and he has this story of the disciples traveling from Jerusalem, which is where well, Jesus was crucified, and he was buried, and he was resurrected. Powerful stuff. Important theological things are happening, happened in Jerusalem. And then these disciples are following Jesus' directives to leave Jerusalem, to go back to Galilee, to many of their homes, and to go to that mountaintop and have this mountaintop experience where they will meet Jesus and Jesus will speak to them again. The resurrected Lord. And he offers them what we call the Great Commission. Go into all the nations and proclaim the good news baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have taught you. And remember this, that I'm going to be with you to the end of the age. Scholars have looked at that grouping of disciples. There's 11 apostles, and it said there is an image of the church following Christ's call, following Christ's commission, following Christ as he has called them, Follow me. And they follow Christ from Jerusalem to Galilee and into all the world. Believing. Having the knowledge and the assurance that Christ is with them. Wherever they go, in whatever they see, in whatever they do, in whatever they say. 
And I can just imagine the church, just as there's 11 apostles, find these mountaintop experiences where we find the light flowing in, filling up space, the beautiful hues of our stained glass shining over us. A glorious image of the church. When the church recognizes Christ's presence with us in those holy mountaintop moments, they come in all times. And they come in particular places. And that's one of the things we want to talk about and consider today is what does it look like when the church, when we at Ashton Place give all that we have and we lean into our faith and we lean into our understanding and, and grow in our understanding to the point that we can offer ourselves to others. To proclaim the good news, yes. Proclaim it by word and deed and sign. So that when the world sees us, when the world hears us, they see the glory of God being revealed before them through His church in all kinds of particular places, in all particular times. So what does it look like? How can we imagine this today? If we move beyond that mountaintop experience of the apostles, those 11 apostles, how does it look in 2019 or 2020 in Mobile, Alabama? Well, maybe it looks a lot like a plaza in a small town in Catalonia, Spain. Maybe it looks like this video that I saw some years ago. I wish we had a screen in here. I could show you the screen, but then it would block some of our brick. And it's really hard with the stained glass windows. But this video begins on this square in this small town. It was probably, a, I'm guessing, a Saturday afternoon, and there were people everywhere just walking about. Older folks were running errands. Children were playing in the square. Mothers and fathers were walking their young children, strolling their young children, and just hanging out with their small children. Young folks, teenagers, were, were there hanging out in the center of town in this plaza just doing what teenagers do, laughing and playing and just being themselves, all in this public space and in their private space. Other than the occasional curious glances, most people paid no attention to the man in the black tuxedo, standing there in broad daylight holding a base and poised with a bow ready to play. After a few moments, one little girl, maybe she was five or six years old, walks towards the man holding that base and drops some money in a top hat that is there at his feet and cautiously backs away to see what would happen. With a slight smile on his face, maybe it was a smirk, the man begins to draw his bow and play his bass. At first it just sounds like a bass line. Then it begins to sound a little familiar. People pause for a moment to glance at this tall man in a tuxedo playing his bass in the middle of the public square. Here and there, people are caught off guard and pause, if only for a moment to see and to hear this commotion, this uncommon, strange interruption in the public square. 
After a few bars, a woman carrying her cello comes and sits in a wooden chair next to the man in the tuxedo. She places her cello and joins in this melody. The familiarity of the tune becomes more clear. More people pause. Some move closer to the tune just for a glimpse at the source of this strange, warm, and beautiful occurrence. Other musicians gather around the bass and the cello. Violinists show up. People carrying violas show up. A bassoonist shows up. People on the street, people on the square become more aware of this strange happening, struck by the strange beauty of this developing masterpiece. Soon there are brass instruments and more woodwinds. The sound swells with more than 100 musicians and choral voices. The composition of the fourth movement of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony is in full bloom as the sound grows louder and louder and the energy increases and increases. People no longer pause, but are drawn to the beauty like moths to light. The grace and the power of sound, the movement of a full orchestra complete with timpani, brass, woodwind, strings. And as the composition grows, we can hear the chorus of many voices declaring the beauty of the moment. As the choral symphony declares Beethoven's imagination of a poem about freedom, about peace and unity. I myself, now a part of this crowd, even if it's only through YouTube, I find myself recalling the words of one of my favorite hymns, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. It's number 89 in your hymnal. I invite you to pick it up. Open the hymnal. Turn to page 89 and read these words with me. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee. God of glory, Lord of love, hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above. Melt the clouds of sin and sadness, drive the dark of doubt away. Give her immortal gladness, fill us with the light of day. Imagine with me how such a scene imagines the church. Imagines a faith community gathered together with all of its members offering all that they have. Their gifts, their talents, their skills, their presence, and their prayers to offer our witness to the world. A world that can be dark and lonely in private and in public. A witness so that children, youth, and adults alike will pause, become curious, grow interested, and find themselves engaged in the light of the reflection of the divine. That is the church's mission. It's God's mission for the church. Imagine with me the church being revealed like an orchestral flash mob, displaying to the world the grace and light of God, the joy and love of God, the glory of God, Imagine the church, fruitful in full bloom. Imagine what the public plaza will see and hear. Imagine what the world around us will see and hear when the church acts like it matters.